Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Saturday morning, Paul Rogers and the Gardener's and good morning and welcome to the Gardener's Calendar on this lovely June day. What is so rare as a day in June? Uh, I'm going to go to your calls right away, uh, except that I have to talk about Gypsy Moth for a moment. So hint, hint, there is, there'll be minimal waiting. But I did want to mention that the gypsy moth, I guess in many ways, uh, help is on the way. The gypsy moth are reaching their largest stage. Every gross spurt of a gypsy moth is called an insta, insta, in which they have to dissolve their outside uh coat and uh, form a new one, and that's the way they grow. Well, the many of the insta, the gypsy moth, are now in the fourth insta, in some cases in the fifth insta. Now, that does mean that they are large, uh, over an inch and a half, some to two inches long, that they, because they're larger, they eat more. And so we're seeing heavy uh, eating taking place. Some people are delighted the gypsy moths seem to have disappeared. That's because many of them on the fourth instar stage, for their own reasons, stop feeding on the surface of the leaf and go to the underside of the leaf. So they're feeding on the underside, and so they're still doing the uh, damage. Good news is that the uh, virus and a new uh, bacterium that was introduced for as a control agent are doing a, a very creditable job in many areas. So it can be the general feeling is if you had a heavy infestation this year, it is quite likely that the virus or the uh, bacterium will uh, control the population so thoroughly at the end of this uh, feeding cycle that there'll be few to no gypsy moth next year in those areas. That's what makes it kind of a, a cycle up and down. But the basic point is that they uh, make it up to a sixth in star. The females do a seventh in star. But uh, 
for the most part, even the ones that hatched out late seem to be moving more rapidly, probably because of the heat, into their their adult stages and then uh, hence into their pupation. Very soon they'll be dropping off the trees down onto the ground to build a uh, wiggling below ground and then building a cocoon uh, for the summer. They take a summer vacation. And that's it. Why don't we go right to I have so many other disgusting insects to talk about. I'd much rather talk to our listeners. Absolutely. Kara in Menden has the first call this morning, Paul. And good morning, and thank you for calling. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Good morning. I just wanted to ask you a question about an area that we have at our house. We moved to the house last year, and the previous owners had a, had planted about a 15 by 20 area with some um, herbs, and in there, there's also now the bittersweet and some black-eyed Susan and some um, poison ivy and some other things. And we'd like to turn that into a, a vegetable garden, but we don't know how deep to dig to get rid of all that stuff. Okay. I'd start out, because of, of the mix that you have there, uh, I'd start out with a uh, herbicidal spray program. Okay. The uh, bittersweet, uh, until it gets decent size, is reasonably easy to pull out, and you could do that. But with uh, the poison ivy in there, too, you don't want to mess with that very much. So I would suggest using a material called Roundup. Roundup, okay. <clears throat> Which is a broadleaf weed killer. It won't kill the grassy weeds in there. Okay. But it will kill. And it may well take two applications to uh, slow up any new growth that might come. Okay. After the second application, which is probably two, three weeks after the first one, to give chance for anything to re-sprout if it can, then you can uh, <clears throat> you can wait a week and then uh, dig the soil, turn it over, okay. shake out any root masses that are there, and... You're ready to start <clears throat> liming and doing what needs to uh, be done. Okay. Is there any depth that we should dig, or that Roundup would kind of take care of everything? Oh, Roundup will do a creditable job for the broadleaves, but you may well have uh, goosegrass, barnyard grass, witchgrass, whatever in there, and they could be deeper rooted. So you want to use the full depth of okay. the shovel, which is nine inches. Okay, nine inches. Yeah. Okay. We think there's some, um, I'm not sure exactly what it's called, um, some kind of urban Italian, um, uh, I can't think of the name of it. The Italian, no, not diesel, Italian. 
oregano maybe. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that that's it smells really nice, but we just want to we want to do tomatoes and other things in there someday and the Italian um oregano seems to be really hard to get rid of. Cause we had it at our other house too. It it builds a, a very large mound that keeps getting taller and wider all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the uh, Roundup will take care of the oregano also. Also, okay. And that is that safe? Like we have a well, probably about fifteen feet from there. That should oh. be okay. Okay, then we, of course, worry about any contamination of the well. Now, is it an artesian well? Um, I'm not sure. I know I know they had to dig about 600, 700 feet to, to be able to... Wow. Yeah, it's, and we had this actually an old well from the late 1700s, about 10 feet from that. That's just like a, they call it a dry well. Yeah, yeah, or very often they, uh, we used to call them uh, uh, winter wells because it'd fill up with water in the fall and you'd have them through the winter months. But oh. then as we you draw more water in the spring, and as the world dries out, then the well dries up just when you need it the most. Most, yeah. Ah. yeah full, that one's full of water. We can look. There's like a rock that's covering it, but it's not quite covering it completely. Yeah. And you can look in there, and the water is right up almost to the top in that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've had uh, good watering. Uh, rain has been good to us, including the last couple of storms that together gave us uh, over three inches of rain, depending upon where you were. But it is always a matter of concern when we're using pesticides of any kind, insecticides, herbicides, fungicides, uh, in an area where there's a well. But uh, many people do it. They will tell you that uh, Roundup, glycosol, uh, bonds to the soil particles and does not migrate through with every rain. Oh, okay. Uh, So there should not be a problem, but I'd know nature well enough to never give a guarantee. Uh, A second uh, possibility that is more benign and is quite effective is to mow that area down as close to the uh, soil surface as possible. Uh, okay. Not the height you cut the grass at, but you want looking to scalp the area. Okay. And then after you've done that, cover the area over with cardboard, uh, seven layers of newspapers, uh Anything that will exclude light uniformly for the area, put some rocks on it to hold it in a place and walk away knowing that what you're going to do is destroy all the plants because when they try and grow, no sunlight, no sunlight, no survival. 
oh, I like that option. That sounds good. Yeah, it is good. It takes probably uh, six to eight weeks. Okay. It does a wonderful job. Uh, Some people will cover the area with black plastic. Like, okay. Like it's used Craft in cabinet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And to uh, do that, then the black attracts the sun's uh, heat, and it's called solarization because what it actually does is sterilize the top uh, couple of inches of soil as well as depriving the plants of sunlight. So it's a double hit. Okay. Oh, that sounds good. I wish I called two months ago. Now it will be too late to do a garden this year, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This year, container gardening. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Paul, for your time and, and knowledge. You're more than welcome. Delighted to share. Bye now. Thank you. Bye. The Gardener's Calendar here on WTAG 508-755-0058. If you'd like to be part of the program, we'll get right back to your calls after this break on WTAG News Radio 580 94.9 FM. The Gardener's Calendar here on WTAG. Right back to your calls now. George in Paxton has a question for Paul. And thank you for waiting. Good morning, George. Thank you, Paul, for taking my uh, call. Uh, Poppy seeds. Um, I'd like to uh, keep some uh, to plant uh, next spring. Uh, now, should I leave them on the plant longer or cut them off now? How do you preserve them? Okay. Is, is it worthwhile trying to uh, 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 use them to, uh, for a new plants? Uh, do you just throw it in the ground when you do it, or do you have to start them in pots? Uh, you don't have to start them in pots working backwards. Uh, the pods are green after the uh, flower petals fall. We need the the uh, pod to turn brown. When it turns brown, the poppy is an interesting plant in that it has the seeds in a chamber and ovary is with all seeds. But it has a little hat on the top, almost like a protection above a house chimney where there's a space, but a hat sits up on top. That stops the weather from getting in the chimney. The, uh, when the seed gets ripe, the willowy stalk gets blown back and forth, and when it reaches its arc every time, it flings some seeds out. So it's the poppy's way of making sure that you don't dump all the seeds in a clump, but you allow them to diffuse over the area. Uh so you need to to uh, harvest the seed when the uh, when the seed is ripe, little black dots. When the seed is ripe, but before it has dehissed uh, from the uh, seed chamber, so it'll take a time or two for you to learn to uh, the signs of 
seed being ripe but not uh, overripe. And one of the things you can do is on a seed pod that looks right, just bend it over with the palm of your hand there and see if little black specks come rolling out of the uh, the seed pod. You follow me? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. And then store the seed cool and dry over winter. And then next spring, you could do either. You could start the the seed indoors, or you could wait until the weather is a little more settled and then strew it just like the poppy would have done on its own. And uh, you'll get good germination. With each seed pod, there are probably... 150 to 200 seeds in it Mm. so that you're going to have plenty to play with. Okay. All right. Do you have time for another question? A quickie, yep. Okay. Uh, I have to be quick, not you. Go ahead. Well, the answer would, I think, would be uh, quick. I have trouble with uh, killing violets. Uh, They were in the back of the house. I tried uh, bone-eyed ultra. I tried weed be gone. I even doubled the strength of the uh, spray. Uh, I tried uh, spraying them, uh, you know, two weeks apart. Uh, They seemed to wilt and die, but then the next summer, uh, like this year, it seems like there's double what I had last year. And uh, now I see they're starting to spread from the back of the house to the front. Is there anything uh, uh, out there that can kill violets? Yeah, a stubbornness, a determination. (laughs) Violets want to survive. And so what they do is they produce the flowers that we all see and enjoy. And then those flowers turn into, uh, generate up their seed, and the seed can be uh, spread. But violets also, like a peanut, produce seed pods below ground. And then when the seed is right below ground, the stem of the uh, pod dries, and as it does, it pulls it up out of the ground, turns it up at 30 degrees or whatever, dries more, and when it does, it generates... uh, energy in the uh, pod or stress in the pod, and it cannonballs the seeds out over a wider area. So the the plan has a regular way and a fail-safe way of spreading seed. Well, am I using the right chemical, or is there some other thing that I can use? No, no, you're using the right chemical, but when you use a broadleaf weed killer, which is what you're using of all the different types, when you're using a broadleaf weed killer, the broadleaf weed killer kills by absorbing the uh, active ingredient through right. the surface of the leaf, transmits it in through the plant, and the plant uh, uh, succumbs. 
but with violence. When you do that, when you kill a plant, then you expose the daughter plants that were under the leaves and protected by the umbrella leaves of the mother plant. So two weeks after you've sprayed, you have more violets showing than you had before you started. Mm. Then you spray the daughter plants and... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, you do a good job. Usually it takes a, a oh. third time to, to do it. Oh, so, But so three times two weeks apart should... Should do it, except that you've got a seed population there, a reservoir of seed each one with a slightly different thickness, which determines how long it takes them to germinate. Oh, dear. So you really have to be persistent. When you you do your three times three uh, weeks apart or whatever. Weeks apart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're going to control the apparent violence, but you need to be aware that From now for six or seven years, honestly, uh, <laughs> violet seed is going to be germinating. And maybe, you, I, maybe I just should have a lawn of violets then. Well, that may be too. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. Bye now. The Gardener's Calendar here on WTAG. And if you'd like to be part of the program, 508-755-0058 is the number. Paul will be right back with more of your calls right after the news on WTAG. News Radio 580, 94.9 FM. This is the Gardener's Calendar with Paul Rogers. Every Saturday morning, 8 to 9 on WTAG. Right back to your phone calls now. Natalie in Lunenburg has a question for Paul. Thank you for waiting forever. Oh, good morning, Paul. Good yes, morning. I have a couple questions. Um, I planted a tart cherry tree a couple years ago. Right. And it had a beautiful fruit set. And now, like, within the last week or so, the leaves are turning yellow and falling off. And there's, like, some little green spots on the fallen leaves. Um, they're about the size of sesame seeds, but it's starting to defoliate, and I'm not sure if, what I can do about that. Yeah, and I would try a general orchard spray. A general orchard spray will contain both insects, insecticide, and fungicide. I think it's a fungal problem, but it may go even deeper than that, and so... I would follow directions on uh, the container and use it twice about 10 days or more apart. Cherries are very sensitive to the uh, temperature. We're seeing, uh, sadly, a number of problems with cherry uh, trees this year. 
And so I'd uh, I'd see if the general object spray wouldn't wouldn't help. Now, uh, have you lined the ground around the tree at all? I have not. Can I put wood ashes down? Would that work? Oh, wood ashes will work fine. Just don't heap it. Spread it out. Uh, it could look like an inch snowstorm, and that would be fine. An inch of ashes? An inch of ashes, yeah. Really? That wouldn't uh, kill it, huh? Oh, no. It's uh, the wood ashes, 32% calcium. When we use the bag lime, it's 100%. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know if it would put too much uh, phosphorus or something down. Or No. Okay, no. great. My other question was, um, I have some peonies that I want to move. When's the best time of the year to move those? Obviously not now, but... No, it would be in fall when the foliage begins to discolor. Is that the preferred time? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. So I, I got plenty of time then. No, yeah, yeah, but don't let it slip by. Okay. Should I divide them when I dig them or not? Uh, not unless you absolutely need to okay. because the less disruption to the clump, the quicker it will uh, uh, reestablish itself. And how? what do they like when I prepare the site? What should I do? Organic matter, uh, compost, a uh, shot of lime, and uh, that should do it. Perfect. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. The Gardener's Calendar here on WTAG. And our next call comes from Ann in Dudley. And good morning. Good morning, Paul. Um, I, uh, I First of all, I want to say that I'm totally amazed by the wealth of your knowledge to everybody, all the listeners benefit <laughs> But I need somebody to take me by the hand to find my way back to the house. <laughs> but, uh, thank you so much. That's very sweet of you. Okay. Um, my reason for calling is that uh, I seem to have acquired a crit. I have uh, half a dozen tomatoes in pots in my backyard. Yeah. And um, I, in the last week or so, I've noticed that the ends, instead of being the uh, small leaves, they're stubs. So something's eating them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, uh, I did see a raccoon uh, the other night. Great big one, is um, at least a foot long. Yeah. And uh, but I haven't seen a woodchuck. But uh, I don't know. Uh, what What do you think? Oh, yeah, it could be a raccoon, could be a squirrel, it oh. even could be field mice that would climb up. Plenty uh, of squirrels. But, but I think it's probably the uh, raccoon. Uh-huh. Uh, and so is there any way you can either... Barricade them off, and and I'm thinking about something like chicken wire, uh, or that you can move them temporarily. These uh, creatures are habit, and they 
come back again and again because they found out where the pantry is. Yeah. And so if you move the pantry so that they come and they investigate the area and there's no food for them there, they uh, will give up on you. Uh, uh, You've closed the restaurant. (laughs) Uh, The other possibility is the use of something like neem oil, N-E-E-M, neem oil, and which is a repellent as well as a uh, control agent. And so it can well be that the uh, neem oil uh, will repel them so they'll get uh, the odor of it, and then they'll get the uh, exposure to it, and uh, they'll give up on you. As a matter of fact, one of the controls we used to use, uh, and it's a good old-fashioned control, is to take some ground limestone, the kind you use on the lawn, and uh, dust the plant lightly, with a ground limestone. Okay. And so when the uh, critter comes to take a bite, he gets a mouthful of grit. Okay. And uh, that sometimes will deter them. The lime will do the tomatoes no harm at all good. and actually will do them some good. Mm-hmm. Um, how about... Uh, I've heard that uh, the powdered red pepper around the perimeter uh, dis- uh, discourages woodchucks. I don't know about raccoons. Though. Yeah, and it would it would do raccoons, and it does squirrels too. It, it hurts their little footsies, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what what you really need to do is when you say put them around the plant, you need to moisten. The foliage of the plant, like it just went through a shower. Okay. And then sprinkle the red pepper on the leaves. Really? Oh, I thought it was on just on the ground. Uh, and, and I'm afraid they just jump right over that or oh, whatever. Okay. Uh, and you need to, if they're doing something they shouldn't do, then they're going to get a very uh, distasteful uh Mouthful. Right. Okay. Very good. Well, I thank you very much because, and they'll be easier. The plants will be easier to move because I got them in pots. <laughs> good <laughs> luck. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. The Gardener's Calendar here on WTAG. Our next call comes from Shirley. And good morning. Good morning, Paul. Uh, first, before I get to my question, I yeah. want to say thank you, let you know that red poinsettia the deacons gave me from your greenhouse is still red bracts and lots of green leaves. Well, how wonderful. Yeah. You're a good cultural. I'm just going to let it do its thing. Yeah. Okay, the other thing, maybe about three years ago, your good girl, Kathy, I had her pick me out a jade plant. Yeah. Oh, it's humongous. It's everybody looks at it. They can't get over it. 
It's not as big as yours in that number door at the number one greenhouse. Right. But it's doing well. Okay, my question is, where I'm living here now in Worcester, they have an old, real Christmas cactus that they like to have me take care of. And I snipped a few cuttings. And I have maybe six or eight in about a six-inch pot. Good for you. And all of those cuttings have, have branched out, too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, two questions is, is that too many for that pot? I hate to disrupt it. And when would I fertilize these cactus? Okay. And if you fertilize the cactus, it's not too many to have the six cuttings in not the too many. Uh, pot. You will be uh, needing to up-pot it uh, before winter. Oh, really? Oh, yes, because it's going to grow under your care and your attention to plants. It's well, everybody's gonna... watching that big one down there. Yeah, yeah. We did uh, have a few blossoms last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Hopefully that will provide more this year, too. Oh, it it should. But now what you want to do is use, and I don't care what kind of liquid fertilizer you use. Use the miracle Grow. You, all right, that's fine. And you want to be using that uh, at least once every two weeks in place oh, okay. of just a regular watering. And if... Uh, the weather settles down uh, over the next two months. I'd be doing it once a week. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. We want to get that up and growing. Oh it's, oh, it's growing so well now. Like my mother would say, it is, my late mother would say, it is very thrifty. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and at the, right after I started this for me, I took more cuttings and started another one, which I don't think the cuttings were as healthy. Right. And that one is not doing as well, but I'm still after it. Just do the same thing and hope. Same thing. That's right. That's right. Okay, Paul. Let me see. I have here. <laughs> Enjoy. Thank Bye. you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Kathy, too. Yes. Bye. Thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. The Gardener's Calendar here on WTAG, and we'll be back with more of your calls right after this break on WTAG News Radio 580 94.9. The Gardener's Calendar here on WTAG. Paul Rogers taking your phone calls and answering your questions, of course, like this question from Harry in Oxford. And good morning, and thank you, young man. Good morning, Paul. Pleasure speaking with you again. I came across this plant, all weed, growing in the wild, and I've never seen it, so I'm going to try to describe it to you quickly. It's growing on a single stalk. The, the uh, buds on the flowers are white, but when the flower comes out, it's a very light lavender that almost looks like a miniature jack-in-the-pulpit, and there, there's one right after the other, similar to what a gladiola flower would be yeah. or... And I've never seen it before, and I just wondered if you knew what it was. What it was. And I'm drawing a blank on it. Your description is is fine and it's clear. It's just not 
uh, I'm not matching it up. See, the leaves are rather large, but very plain. They're just a long, pointed leaf, you know. I mean, the the, main, the biggest leaves are a good eight to nine inches long, and there's just one stalk. The whole stalk is probably about 40 inches tall from the ground up right now. Oh. And it's got about... It's got about twelve flowers. They're all they're all like a bell, elongated bell, very light lavender with dark purple spots on the interior. Okay, now is the area where they're growing is it rather moist or pronouncedly moist? Yes, yes, yeah, it's, yeah and it's it's well shaded by a lot of pine trees too. Yeah, I think we're and I'm. Um, dancing around it in my mind, but I, uh, it's not hellebore, but. Well, you know what, Paul, take another call, and if you have a chance to think about it next week, I'm always listening, and you can fill me in then. Okay, well, I will. In the meantime, don't eat any of the leaves. (laughs) No, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm flirting with the idea that it is poisonous. Yeah, I'm not going to eat any of it anyways. I just have never seen one before, and I couldn't imagine what it is, but it's beautiful, you know? It's just so different. And there was only one in the area? Yep, only one. Okay, because usually there would be a number. But all right, yeah, let me work on it, and you hang in there. I always uh, do, Paul. Have a great weekend. We'll we'll hear you next week. You also. Take care. Bye now. I do want to mention, and I've been very remiss in not doing it, to thank all the people that stopped by at Jeb's Hardware. Uh, Last week, we had a delightful time there. The the display that and the quality that uh, they have of plants are is a real credit to them, uh, both the quality and the uh, arrangement display value of them. As far as the hardware and that sort of thing, that's just absolutely awesome that they have the variety that they they do have. So I always enjoy getting to... Uh, Jeb's, and it was, last week was no uh, exception. It was delightful. And right now we have a call from Edward here on the Gardener's Calendar. And good morning, sir. Good morning to you, young man. I love your show. Thank uh, you. Just a suggestion. I'm not the uh, modern person. I don't have one myself. But if the person doesn't have a cell phone that takes pictures, he could use a camera, go take a picture in color, and send it to you. And that would uh, probably help identifying it. That would help a great deal, because I don't have a cell phone on my end. No, he would take the picture and uh, mail it to you if he had to, because I still use a mail. Excellent. (laughs) I support the post office. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You have a great day. (laughs) Thank you. Yep. That's great. Uh, We were talking earlier, Paul, about technology and whether you go high-tech or low-tech, the information gets through and it all works, right? I am awed by it to see videos of my great-great-granddaughter's uh, 
dancing around. Very good. And we have one final call this morning from Kathy. And good morning. Good morning, Paul. Uh, just a quick question. On the hydrangeas, yeah. uh, of course, last year I didn't get any flowers, but the greens are coming through like crazy now. But do I cut those stalks, that the dried-out stalks that are there now, or do I have to leave them? Oh, you don't have to leave them if they're truly uh, dead. Check the top of the stalk, uh -huh. cut it open with your pruners, and make sure that it is dead and dry and papery inside. And if it is, get rid of all of that dead stuff. Put it in the compost heap. Are you familiar with the strawberry and clean hydrangeas? No, there's so many coming out now. I bought them in a pot in the supermarket a few years ago. Right. And I put them in the ground, and honest to God, this year I'm going to have the biggest amount. I, I'll have to send you a picture of that. Yeah. They, they have white in the um, pink, white in the middle, and pink around the edges. Lovely. Oh, they're beautiful, and they're growing great. Yeah. But anyway, have a good week, Paul. Thank you so much. You also. Bye now. <laughs> Bye. And we thank everyone for listening, and we're planning on being here next week. Next Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, The Gardener's Calendar with Paul Rogers on WTAG. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.